Hello there, my name is Toby, and on today's special episode of the Always Fragrant Podcast, I bring you a teaching I have titled The Inside Job. In the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, as God tried to reach out to Cain, the brother of Abel, after his sacrifice he was refused by God, God told him that sin lied waiting for him at the door. The version rendered it as sin crouched at his door. The desire of sin was to have Cain, yet God admonished him that he has to rule over it. In the book of James, in the very first chapter, verse 12, James began to encourage the church to endure temptations and trials. He told them not to think that temptation cometh from God, because God is not susceptible to evil, neither will you try other people with evil. However, when man is carried away and overcome by temptation, it is because of his own desire. Thus, when sin lied at the door, crouched at the door in the form of temptation, what opens the door for sin is a man's unbridled desire. In this teaching, I rounded up by suggesting three ways to handle temptation. These three steps I've called from a teaching of Alistair He recommended to deal with it immediately, to deal with it ruthlessly, and to deal with it consistently. Listening to this teaching, I'm sure you'll be tremendously blessed. So today, I'll talk briefly on what I've titled The Inside Job. And we'll be reading, please, turn in your Bibles with me to uh, punch in your Bible app with me. <laughs> um, to James, the book of James, James, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, wrote to the churches. And he wrote in the very first chapter from verse 12, he said, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord had promised to them that love him. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. You see a column there, if you have a good Bible, to explain further, to say that, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust has been conceived, he bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Genesis chapter 4, verse 5. But unto Cain and his offering he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fair. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? He said, If thou doest well, Shall thou not be accepted? But if thou dost not do well, he said, sin 
lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire. And thou shalt rule over him. Sin lieth at thy door. Some other versions would say sin crouched like an animal. Crouch at the door. He said sin crouched at the door. And he does ask one thing. His desire is to have you. But he said you have to rule it. You have to rule over it. After you've been born again, after you've believed in Jesus Christ, after you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life or you've given your life to him, whatever the semantics you prefer, you are blood washed, you are saved, you are sanctified, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the seal of eternal salvation, you are heaven bound, you cast out demons, you talk in tongues. But one thing that you would have noticed, I have noticed in my Christian world, that although sin does not reign in your mortal body, sin remains in your mortal body. Although sin does not have power over you, sin has presence within you. You have noticed that? Is there anybody that has not noticed that here? We all, I mean, it is common. It is common. And in the epistle, Paul said, there is no temptation. I mean, there is nothing that comes across to you that, that is just unique to you. In fact, he goes for that in some other place. He said that Jesus was tempted in every way. I like that every way because I am tempted in a variety of ways. But the comfort is that no matter how assorted my temptations are, Jesus will share it. We share it. And imagine that you all, we all here, we have different assortments of temptations. Sometimes our temptations overlap. Okay? Sometimes our temptations are exclusively unique. But Jesus is tempted in all ways that we have been tempted. So we go back to James chapter 1, verse 12. So blessed is the man that endured temptation. So I would describe temptation here as an enticement, an allurement to sin and evil. Because that's word, peruzzo, is, I mean, it's a generic word. We use it as tempt, we use it as test, we use it as trial sometimes, it's used as tribulation. So, I mean, it's, it's a variety of words. But when it's translated to tempt, in, of course, you know English is very, very limited. When it's translated to tempt, it should be understood as a temptation or an allurement or an enticement to evil. Sometimes they use it as tempt to also mean test, which, of course, I will come there. But the danger that this has to us, the danger that this enticement and this allurement to evil has to us as 21st century Christians is because in our age we have the tendency and the drift to believe that once I have an experience, once I come to church and anointed worship is led like we had this morning, once I come to church and I lift up my hands and I can pray like we had this morning, I'm okay. I mean, I just feel that thing within me, you know, the, the, the tingling within me. I'm a perfect Christian. I'm okay. I'm heaven born and so on and so forth. And that is the truth. 
we do not pay attention to James chapter 1. That's how we begin to go through it. We just believe that once we say some certain things right, once we come to a certain atmosphere as often as possible, once we read some certain set of books and so on and so forth, we are just, and we do not pay attention to the things that are waging right within us. God knows. God is fully aware of the presence of sin on this side of eternity. And that's why we have these kinds of scriptures that we'll be going through in the, in the next few minutes. He says in the next verse, he said, let no man say when he is tempted that I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Now, the idea, the foundation is that the reason why God cannot tempt anybody is because God himself is not susceptible to evil. That's the basis. I can go into the philosophy of the, the, the source of evil and so on and so forth. You can meet me over coffee after church. We'll discuss that extensively. But it goes straight to the point that the reason why God cannot tempt you and I with evil is because God himself does not, is not susceptible to evil and he does not delight in evil. He does not take pleasure in evil, whether by you committing or by you suffering through it. He does not delight in it. Straight, simple. That's the reason why I cannot tempt. But of course, for a Bible student, you go, oh, but the Bible said that God tempted Abraham, for example. But you will see that he says, with evil. With evil. So, imagine uh, your teacher sets an exam for you and give you like seven trials, which we call seven questions. And says, answer these seven questions in one, one hour. In that situation, the teacher is the tester, is testing you for one thing, to bring out the best in you, to bring out your ability, to know whether you know these things or not, to reveal who you really are. And that's what Matthew chapter 4, which will go ahead, did. The temptation of Jesus was to do something, to reveal who he really is as the Son of God. But what will the tempter do? The tempter will lure you to evil. It's the difference. So it's saying here that God will not tempt you with evil. Don't forget that. And the reason is because he himself is not susceptible to evil and does not delight in evil. Finish. Evil. That is the key word, evil. But when a man is tempted, he is drawn away by his own lust. So it is not God. It is your lust, your own desires, another version we put it. And that is why it is an inside job. You see, what is doing you is your desire, your own desire. Not even so much as the devil. Someone asked me during the course of the week, that if you were the devil, what will you tempt yourself with? Pause and answer that question. If you are the devil, I mean, don't tell me, tell yourself. I don't want to know. If you are the devil, what will you tempt yourself with? Of course, I'm not saying that all your desires are evil. But I'm saying that all your desires have the shocking and surprising tendencies to become evil. I mean, legitimate things like food. 
like full, legitimate, full, becomes a scene of gluttony. Legitimate things like wanting to meet your needs, wanting to provide for yourself, become the scene of greed and covetousness, and sometimes stealing. A legitimate need for sexual gratification. I mean, of course, you know, some people don't know there's a legitimate need. It is a legitimate need. God-given need, divine and godly. But when we go about meeting legitimate needs through illegitimate means, then our desires become a snare for the devil. I mean, it's like a dog. And that the desire is like the, they say we should not call it rope. But it is the rope <laughs> that the enemy is using to drag. Because you already have it. You already have it within you. So the legitimate needs become the desire because we have the presence of sin on the inside of us. God is not the source of your temptation. The source of your temptation is your desire. Is your desire. That's what scripture says. That's what scripture says. So God told Cain. He said, sin is crouching at the door. And all through scriptures we see that imagery, that biblical theme of sin as a beast or as an animal. In fact, in regular English palace, they say every man is a beast. To just show that we all can be nasty. But the idea is not just some psychological, social issue that we all have. The idea is that there is a supernatural force fueling and sponsoring evil. I mean, let us all in this world get educated. Let us all in this world get civilized. Let us all in this world have all that we need. Let us all in this world, I mean, let us solve all the psychological, social problems. Evil will still be prevalent. Because what is backing evil is not a social, so, social, psychological problem. It is supernatural backing, something that is sponsoring it. God to gain that same is at your door, it's crouching at your door. It has one thing, it has a desire. So you have a desire that has the very, very high tendency to go into evil. And that beast also has a desire, but his desire is for you. Remember Jesus told Peter, said, Peter, the devil desires to have you. The devil desires you. There is sin crouching at your door. But that's not the end. God said, even though his desire is to have you, you have to rule over it. Because God has given us dominion to rule over this beast. As a matter of fact, the temptations of Jesus, look at it, look for Matthew 4, as we will read. But Mark, he just got to the chase. Mark chapter 1, verse 12. While Matthew and Luke went to the details, Mark just said, Mark, Mark 1, 12, he said, Immediately the spirit, of, uh, the spirit of the Lord impelled him to go out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And then he explained he said simply, he was with the wild beast. 
Because for the wild beast, that imagery of sin as the beast at your door, crouching, seeking to have you, seeking to pounce on you, some versions will say. But you have to rule it. You have to rule it. So you don't have to blame that desire on culture. You don't have to blame that desire on your background. You don't have to blame that desire on your age. Like, you know, when we are in, our, in this, our early 20s, late 20s, these are the things that happen to us. You don't have to blame that your desire on hereditary. I mean, I've had all sorts of silly excuses for stupid things. Say so it's because, you know, in our family, this is what we always do. I mean, we drink a lot. I mean, my dad, ah, my mom, oh my God. So, I mean, we blame it. You don't have to. It is within you. You, see, go to the mirror, look at yourself. This is it. This is me. This the desire. It's an inside job. It's not the devil. It's not my family. It's not my, it's not my hereditary. It's not my background. It's not my education. It's not anything. It is my desire. My desire. My lust. It's an inside job. Let's go through Matthew, the temptations of Jesus, and see the A to Z of temptation. Matthew chapter 4, we will not read the whole 11 verses because of our time. So Jesus was baptized and he was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So the devil is the tempter. And when he was fasted for three days and three nights, he was hungry. I mean, that's an understatement. I ate last night. I'm hungry now. This is hunger. If you have not eaten for 40 days, you are dying. So it should be, after he was fasted for four days and 40 nights, afterwards he was dying. <laughs> and when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the Son of God, command the stones to be made bread. Like I said, the first thing is legitimate desire, legitimate things that, I mean, without, just because by themselves, no harm. In this case, for Jesus, it was just food. For some people, it's sleep. I mean, we all should sleep. We all deserve that sleep. But that sleep, has now become a snare for some people to be lazy and to become I mean, full of apathy. They're just there like vegetables, not doing anything. <laughs> and binge watching series on their bed and watching memes. <laughs> I'm not mentioning anybody's name. But sincere desire. So for Jesus here, yeah, it is food. Is it wrong for him to be hungry after 40 days of fasting? No. As the Bible said, after he has finished fasting, what is left? <laughs> after finished, we eat. But the problem is, how are you meeting those legitimate needs? That's the problem. So the devil is saying, I mean, you are the son. If you are the son of God, this is stone. Turn it to bread. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. So everything about you is not about that legitimate, even though it is legitimate. But you cannot live by it alone. Everything about you is not about a great orgasm. Everything about you is not about having your belly full. Everything about you is not sleeping through long hours. Everything about you is not trying to meet a legitimate need, even though they are legitimate. Man shall not live by bread alone. You cannot live by that alone, even though they are legitimate. It does not define you. 
You know, some people said sex is a need. I think it's a want. You know what need is? Food. Sleep. Oxygen. Like we used to call it, not oxygen. Oxygen is a need. You want to try it? Don't get oxygen. I mean, not now, when you get to the house. <laughs> <laughs> Let me finish my attention, please. <laughs> Legitimate needs, meeting them through illegitimate means becomes a snare to you. That's the idea. And one thing you should always tell yourself is that I will seek to meet my legitimate needs through God's given provision. God has given divine provision to every legitimate needs that you have. If there's no provision for it, it's not a legitimate need. I mean, when he made man in the Garden of Eden, he put food there for them to eat. And then we saw that Adam slept. God put him to sleep. And he gave him a woman. Gave him job. Everything. There's a provision for every legitimate need. There's no provision for it. There's no legitimate need. I love something that I heard from Bishop Mkongo many years ago. He said, whatever God does not give me, one does not exist. And then he goes further. He said, even if it exists, I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't want it. The A to Z of temptation. Because of our time, I'll go to the last one. Verse 8. And the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. The next things that usually within us, our desire, is our ambition. Here, for Jesus, is that he will take the kingdoms of this world. The prophecy is that the kingdoms of this world shall become, or has become, the kingdom of our God and of his dear son. That is the whole idea. That is the whole mission of Jesus. But he said, see, it belongs to me. If you will just bow, I'll give it to you. The ambition. What do you want to become? What are you desiring that you will be? You will make out of life. Legitimate desire. In fact, you see self-actualization, uh, as Master we put it, or self-realization, which is the highest of the hierarchy of needs of man, is God-given. It's God-given. In fact, God called Abraham. God said, I will make you great. The greatness is a God-given idea. He said, I will bless, I will bless you. I'm sure Abraham wasn't just, Abraham doesn't want to be the father of his clan, marry his wife, raise his cattle, and be okay. But that greatness idea was given to him by God. That greatness idea for you to be great, for your ambitions, for your dreams, your aspirations, let me say it the church way, your ministry, your calling, okay, it is God-given. But the idea is this, you can also meet that need through illegitimate means. Now you say, I will do this thing in spite of God, regardless of why I step on the toe and step on their neck and step on their head to do this. And you see, we, all, we, 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 we I mean, when, when I'm saying this, I'm sure you're not thinking about yourself. But it's the truth that we all have the desire to want to put our want above other people's needs. We have the desire to want to appear better than we really are, especially on the outside. There is no man that is not identifying with this area. 
This is talking to everybody, including myself. Because it's an inside job. I have desires that have the high tendency to go south. The devil is always giving you an idea to meet your legitimate needs in spite of God. And say, no matter what it costs me, I will get this need met. That is you having your rope in which the devil is using to drag you. The consequences of temptations are eternal. The rich is universal. Like I said, everybody feels it. The consequences, whether you do yes or you do no, is eternal. Because James 1 12 said, He that endures temptation, what will, what, what will happen to such a person? It's like a crown of life. So when you do not endure temptation, what will happen? We will lose a crown of life. Each time. Each time. But when you endure, you gain a crown of life. So the consequences are eternal. The rich is universal. Even Jesus was tempted. But the experience is personal. You know how you know the desire that is that is that is the desire in your heart. You know that if you are the devil, you know what you will use to tempt yourself. But this desire had to be acted upon. God told Cain, rule over it. It has desire for you, but rule over it. So what should we do? How do we deal with it? Because if we do not deal with it, of course you know it will deal with you. Deal with every encroachment advancing towards you. It's an advancement of sin. How do you deal with it? The first one, deal with it immediately. The only thing the devil needs is a foothold. Nobody wakes up in the morning and has cancer of yoga. They first have cancer of one cell. And when that cell is not dealt with, what happens? It becomes a malignant cell and spreads until they say, oh, the whole breast. So you have multiple organs now having cancer. But the multiple organs did not become cancerous. One cell. I mean, you know what the cell is? If you know done biology, a very tiny thing, then it becomes tissue, it becomes organ. Several thousands, if not millions of cells, becomes malignant because one cell was cancerous and it wasn't dealt with. The Bible says, do not give the devil a foothold. That is all he needs. The devil is not coming to say that he wants to take the whole house. Just say, give me the pouch. See, it's at the door, crouching. That's all he needs. If you do not rule over it at that point, it will become the landlord of the house. So from the very first indication of it, knock it out. Knock it out. Or else it becomes difficult to deal with. It becomes difficult to deal with. That thing now has you. You will not be there anymore to enjoy the pleasure of it. Because now, it now has you. Deal with it immediately. Don't let it have that foothold. Cut it off. Deal with it ruthlessly. If you want to deal with this beast that is crouching at your door, you have to deal with it ruthlessly. You see, it is an animal. It's not going to go away by petting it. Once you pet it, gets the message that it wants me. Jesus said, if it is your eyes, of course, I'm not asking you to go God out your heart. But the idea that Jesus is saying there is that even if it is your heart, take it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God one high. The idea there is that deal with it ruthlessly. If it is one heart, 
cut it off, chop it off. If it is an app, delete it. If it is internet, get off the internet. If it's a friend, block him, block his father, block his mother, block his future generations. Be ruthless. Be ruthless. I mean, he is coming to have you. You cannot be petting with it. It is coming. And when I say beast, what do you think of? Cats? Think of a bear. Think of a carnivorous beast. You see, in, I, I've said it many times in the last fellowship, how that this beast imagery evolved. And especially in the book of Daniel, how that the scripture now was giving us a picture, a graphic image of how, that, how we become that beast when we allow sin to completely overtake us. You will see mutant, terrible animals. You will see a, a, a reptile animal that has wings and horns at the same time. Things that you cannot even imagine fully. Deal with it ruthlessly. And lastly, deal with it consistently. Consistently. I heard from Alistair Bag. Refuse to allow your eyes to wander. Refuse to allow your mind to contemplate. Or allow your affection to wander anything that draws you away from Christ. It is a consistent thing. There is never a day off. There's never, there's no day that you wake up and say, I don't need to fight temptation today. Cheat day. (laughs) There's never a day of, it is a consistent watch. Proverbs says that you should guard your heart with all diligence. Every day you stand a watch over your heart. Every waking day. Every day on guard. Because the enemy keeps coming. Even for Jesus, we read Matthew 4. But the enemy came back in John chapter 6 when they wanted to make him king. When, of course, we did it in Bible study in, in John chapter 6. He came back when Peter called him aside and said, Jesus said, okay, yeah. Matthew 16 said, who, who the men say I am? He said, oh, you are the son of God. And he said, oh, great revelation. And Jesus said, you see, as the son of God, this is what I will do. I will have to die. And Peter said, excuse me, boss, you cannot die. For as scripture said, he rebuked him. Nonsense, are you saying? Messiahs don't die. Have you read Isaiah? Isaiah said that the Messiah will overthrow this kingdom. Messiahs do not die, they do not die the death of the cross. And Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. We also see in the book of Luke, chapter 22, when Jesus was about to take upon himself that passion, the enemy came again. See, you don't have to do this. There has to be another way, it doesn't have to be the way of the cross. But he said, not my will, but your will. So we see in scriptures, chronicled, different scenarios, different times and seasons in the lives of Jesus, the Messiah, the God incarnate, that the enemy came to tempt him. How much more you? I'm sure this morning you had a bout. You walk out of this service, you have another bout. At night, you have another bout. So consistently, he is not backing up. In fact, in Matthew chapter 4 that we read, from in verse 12 said the angels came to minister to him because the devil left him for a while if you are not having a bout now alas it's just a recess you are resuming very soon he just left you for a while only for a while it is a constant assault constant assault so far you are on this side of eternity regular throughout your lifetime but the good news is this 
every time the enemy shows up, every time the tempter shows up, after Matthew chapter 4, you know what? He wears the face of defeat. Because what you cannot do by your own power, Jesus did for you through his own temptation. This is what I'm saying. Jesus overcoming the temptation is not just as your example, but also as your substitute. Before then, a lot of people have gone through temptation. Adam and Eve, the nation of Israel, 40 years in the wilderness. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 8 said, I test you to know what was in your heart. And of course, that is what God does when he's testing us. I said earlier, he doesn't test with evil. Test him to know what was in his heart. The same thing he did to Abraham. He said, go sacrifice your son, like I said last night in the Bible study. And when he sacrificed his son, he knew what was in his heart. But that's the test. But this test, that test with evil. So when the nation of Israel were tested in the wilderness for 40 years, they failed. He called Israel my firstborn, my firstborn child. They went to the baptism of the Red Sea, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2. And the same thing happened to Jesus. After the baptism, went into the wilderness to be tempted. The nation of Israel, after the baptism, through the Red Sea, 1 Corinthians 10, 2, went to the wilderness, 40 years to be tempted. Jesus went into the wilderness, 40 days to be tempted. But what happened to their own testing? They failed. Many of them perished right there in the wilderness. But what happened to Jesus? He overcame. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. He rebuked him. And what the scripture says, when you do that, he will flee. Because he wears the mask of defeat after what Jesus did to him. Because he did it not only as your example, because you're just looking at it as your example. It can be overwhelming. But when you see him as a substitute, and when that tempter comes, he's wearing that mask, defeated. James told us what to do. He said we resist him. We stand our ground, we resist him immediately. We resist him ruthlessly and we resist him consistently and we are promised that he will flee like a dog putting his tail between his, his legs and running away in dread and fear because you resist him. The victory over the tempter is not your victory. The victory over the tempter is his victory that you continue to enjoy. So I'm not asking you to do one lovely great thing. I'm asking you to enforce the victory of Jesus immediately. I'm asking you to enforce the victory of Jesus ruthlessly. I'm asking you to enforce the victory of Jesus consistently. Lastly, 1 Corinthians 10, immediately, ruthlessly, consistently. Immediately, ruthlessly, consistently. Glory to God. Yes, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. So no temptation has seized you. It says, that is not common to man. But God is faithful. God is faithful to you. That when the tempter is coming with his temptation, God is coming with a way of escape. There is no time that the enemy comes with his temptation. That the faithfulness of God will not provide a way of escape because scripture says god is faithful he will so if you say i can't do it just it's a lie you are the one that is now unfaithful in this scenario your desire is actually taking the best of you 
He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. Sometimes I feel these scriptures flatter me because I know what I have been tempted. And I say, you think I can bear all of this? You flatter me too much. <laughs> but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So whenever you're afraid of temptation and you go crushing under it, remember that you are the one that has not been faithful because all the time when the devil comes with the temptation, you are the way of escape. And there is nothing that will come to you that is beyond your capacity to bear. Temptation, yes. Desires, yes. But you can bear them. That is why they are coming your way. So if you look at your temptations, you'll be able to see your capacities. We all have great, extremely great capacities beyond what we can imagine. The beast has his desire over you. He desires to swift you. He desires to have you. He's crouching at your door. But you, you have to rule over it. You have to rule over it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I pray that you would be energized. I pray that you would be courageous enough to stand in the face of temptation and resist the devil sternly. Draw in inspiration and power from Jesus who overcame the tempter and his temptations. Not only as your example, but also as your substitute. You can reach out to us at the Whispers Podcast on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. Or better still, visit our website www.alwaysfragrance.com. Till I come again with another teaching from God's precious word, remain ever blessed.